uh, you want to ask relating to the Bible or anything? Any questions this morning? Nobody has a question this morning? Yeah, Brad. Well, I mean, whenever you go through Scripture, you'll find that seven um, is what we would say it's the number of God or the number of perfection, right? Um, and obviously, when you think about, um, there's, there's lots of things you can get into as far as numbers throughout Scripture. Different numbers have different significant meanings. Um, obviously, like the number of man would be what? Six, right? That's the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day, um, and even when you look there in the book of Revelation, it talks about that the, um, the number of the beast, and sometimes people get this confused, um, it, this is not necessarily the mark of the beast, uh, this is the number of the beast. If you go into, um, let's see if I can find it here real quick, Revelation where? Chapter 13, is that where it's at? Yeah, so if you look in Revelation chapter 13, um, he says, He causeth all, both small, and verse number 16, great, rich, poor, free, bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name or the number. Right. So there's actually three things that a person can get. A lot of times we just associate the mark of the beast, right? And we associate the mark of the beast as the number. But there are actually two different things. Um, there's actually the mark, there's the number, and the name. So somebody that receives what we would say, call the mark of the beast, there's actually three different things that they could actually receive. That would either be his name, his number, or his, um, what did I say? Mark, thank you, yeah. He says that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Well, then it tells us, it doesn't tell us what his name is, doesn't tell us what his mark is, but it does tell us what his number is. Right. So in verse number 18, it says, Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and 6. And so a score is 20, so 666, right? So we know that's the, the number of the beast, right? A lot of times people just associate that as the mark of the beast. Um, and again, that is something that they can be marked with, but that is not the mark, that's the number. Um, and then there is a mark, and then there's also the name. Um, and so numbers throughout Scripture have very significant meanings, right? Why do you think it's 666? Why not just 6? If the number of man is 6, why is it 666? Corey? I'm not sure about that, but 666 is, I think, means completion or harmony. There's 66 books in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anybody know why it's 666? Right. That's what I believe most people would associate it with, the unholy trinity. Um, again, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is a trinity, a triune God. Um, and so the devil always tries to duplicate whatever God has done. Um, and that's why you have Satan, you have the beast, who is the Antichrist, and you have the false prophet. 
right? So there's the three of them. And so you have the 666. Um, three, obviously you think about three throughout Scripture, um, always has to do with the Trinity. Um, what do the angels proclaim in heaven? At the throne of God? It's not just holy. It's holy, holy, holy. There's thrice holy God, right? Because of the Trinity, okay? It's not just one. It's God the Father is holy. God the Son is holy. God the Holy Spirit is holy, right? Um, and so, again, the devil is going to always try to duplicate whatever God does. Uh, and so you find that with the number six here, with the number 666, right? But, again, the number seven has to do with perfection. It's the number of what we would say the number of God, and perfection, and so even you find many things. Um, you have the seven seals, right? Um, when you're talking about the book uh, in, back in chapter four, um, uh, let's see. Um, and, and I saw. I'm sorry, chapter five. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Okay. So again, there's the number seven again, and the number seven is dealing with perfection. Okay. Um, and so when you think about the seven angels, these are just the, the seven angels that God is using in these different events that he's, that are taking place. Um, and why, why the seven seals? Again, the seven seals, this book of seven seals has to do with what? No, not the seven churches. The seven churches are gone. Seven churches are out of here. Praise God for that, right? Yeah, we're not we're not here during this time. What does the seven seals have to represent? What is the book about? Tribulation, right? What else though? It's tribulation, but it's specifically dealing with one thing. I know it's dealing with Israel, but somebody else. What's that? The wrath of God, right? And God's wrath is perfect. His wrath is perfect, right? This is God's judgment upon the earth, right? And it's a perfect judgment. God knows exactly what he's doing. None of of this is by chance or anything like that. God's just like, oh, wait, I think I'm going to do this. No, it's already been planned. God already knows what he's doing. His judgment is perfect. He's righteous. He's holy, okay? And even in judgment, even in bringing judgment, God is righteous and holy and perfect in what he's doing, okay? Um, and so you can go through and you can read, obviously, about the, the seven seals, right, and how each seal is opened and all that entails and through those seals and things like that. But it all has to do with the judgment of God, God bringing judgment um, and that perfect righteous judgment. Um, and so, again, I, I do want to caution you, though, be very careful about getting into numbers in the Bible uh, because you can get really, really sucked into some really really crazy stuff in dealing with numbers, right? I mean, you start seeing numbers everywhere, right? Numbers and numbers and names and numbers and letters and, you know, numbers in the sky. And I'm just kidding, but I um, mean, just numbers everywhere, okay? And there's people that with good intention, right, have tried to study numbers and things like this, thinking somehow if we can study the numbers and we can study all these things and we can figure out God's timing, well, I can tell you right now, I don't care how long you study, I don't care how long you search the scriptures, I don't care how many numbers you figure out and what number 40 means and not what number 7 means and what number 12 means and what number 6 means, you'll never be able to know God's timing. You know why? Because God said you can't know it. God said you can't know it, right? Um, you cannot know God's timing. Um, we can know certain things that God says are going to happen, 
right? But we don't know God's timing. When is Jesus going to come? Well, there's been lots of people that have tried to put dates on that. And what did they do? They tried to go back, look at numbers, oh, this this year and this date and this number and, and this person had this many letters in their name and so that associates with this and all this kind of stuff. You know what, they, you know what happened? They were wrong. They were wrong. Why? Because God said you can't know the time. Now, again, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't look and study what some of these numbers mean. It's, it's, it's important to do that, right? What the number three, the number one, the number seven, the number six, the, these, are th- these are important things. But don't make a doctrine out of some of these things. It's not a doctrine, okay? It can help you in studying the Word of God, but it can also, you know, you can get so caught up on these things that everything about, you know, a number becomes a doctrine, and, and you're going to find yourself teaching some false doctrine about it. So just be careful about it. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, like, absolutely. But I don't think that if you're not in the Word and studying it, that you'd even pick up on the fact that there are different markings. Like, it mm-hmm. would be very easy to deceive yeah. the world as a mm-hmm. whole. Because you may have somebody out there that has relatives that are saved. That goes, oh, I know, I, I know about 666, that's bad. I don't want that sure. marked on me. But they would miss the whole, oh, you can carry a credit card in your hand mm-hmm. or in your forehead or right. whatever. And that that could all be associated. So it's absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's the number, we're given the number. We're not given the mark. We're not given the name, right? We're, we're just not given that information. Um, say, well, I'm going to search it out. You know what you're going to find? Nothing. You're not going to find the name. You're not going to find the mark. You know why? Because God says it's not supposed to be known right now. Now, one day it will be known. One day the, the Antichrist is going to come, and he's going to say, hey, this is my name, and this is my number, and this is my mark. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I see that. Um, you know, hopefully you're not here when that happens, right? Um, hopefully you're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. Um, but, um, but, yeah, we're not, th- there's, there's information that God reveals, but he does not reveal everything to us, Okay. Uh, there are some things, yes, we can study and we can learn and we can grow from those things. And there's some things we just have to say, you know what? God didn't give us that information, so we just have to leave it alone. Just leave it alone, right? Uh, again, don't try to make a doctrine out of something that is not a doctrine, okay? Don't make a doctrine out of the name of the, the beast or the, the mark of the beast or the number of the beast. Yeah, we're given the number 666. Okay, we know that. Okay, and yes, six six six. You can always associate six 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 with satanic stuff and all that kind of things, right? Um, but does anything that has the number six 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 on it is it satanic? No, of course not, right? Um, you know, there's there's lots of things. You know, um, <laughs> look, I mean, if you go and you get a car and the license plate says. You know, JKL 666. Don't be like, I can't have that license plate because it says 666 and my car's demonic then. Um, you know, no, it's not that your car's demonic, right? Um, you know, say, well, I'm, you say, Pastor, would you probably drive that? Uh, probably not. I probably wouldn't. But if I see somebody that has that license plate, I'm not going to be like, oh, that, they're demonic. They're satanic, you know? It's, it is a number, right? It's a number, um, you know? Uh, there's people that, you know, they, um, people that do podcasts and do, uh, numbers that go up. Guess what? They have to get to six, 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 right? Does that mean that that episode or whatever that is, is satanic or whatever? No, it's, it's a number, 
right? It's a number. Um, but most of the time it is associated with things that are satanic and things. But it doesn't mean that in every, every scenario, okay? Um, but, yeah, very good question, Brad. Uh, good question on that, right? Anybody else? Somebody else have a quick question? Anybody else? Nobody else? Is Jesus coming back this year? I hope so. I don't know. I don't know, but I hope so, right? Wouldn't that be great? Amen. Hopefully before August 4th, that'd be great. No. No. That's, that's not it at all. No. Some of you know what August 4th might mean, but some of you it's an inside joke. You say, what is August 4th? It's the day my daughter's picked to get wed. <laughs> Married, whatever. Yeah, so hopefully before August 4th, the Lord comes back. <laughs> it's a good date? Hey, there you go. Amen. That's great. Yes. At least they picked a good date. That's good. Yes. Amen. <laughs> uh, just don't tell my daughter I said that, all right? I know some of you will, but that's okay. You're like, did you know what your dad said in Sunday school? Yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, somebody asked me this question. Did I see a hand? No, somebody just pulling their ear, scratching their head, you know, I, well, no, I'm not going to. Okay. Um, somebody asked me this question a few, a few weeks back, maybe even months back. I'm not sure when it was. Um, but I thought this is interesting in the next, you know, we may not even be able to get to all of this, um, uh, by the time we end Sunday, our Sunday school hour here, but. Um, the question that this was asked was, does God still speak to people through dreams? Does God still speak to people through dreams? And if, if so, how do you know when it is God and not just a dream? Do you need an interpreter for that dream? Like Daniel had to interpret the dream for Nebuchadnezzar and Joseph had to interpret the dream for Pharaoh. Um, I've heard people say that God spoke to them through, through a dream, and so this has just made me curious, right? So this was, that was the question that was brought out. Um, so does God still speak to people through dreams? And if so, do they, um, how do you know when it is God and not just a dream? Do you need an interpreter? So how would we answer, how would we answer these questions? Ms. Pam? Okay. 
Somebody else? Does God still speak to people through dreams? Maybe we need to define what that means. What, do we, what does that mean? Does God still speak to people through dreams? Brother Rob? Right. Okay. So when we mean, does God speak to people through dreams? We have to define what that means, right? Would we say that God speaks to people through dreams for revelation, for something new that God is wanting mankind to know? In other words, basically, just as he did with the prophets, right? Um, and I think you, you bring out a good verse there, because if you go to Hebrews... Um, In chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, right? So he's talking about God God spoke to people in different ways, right? Um, there were different ways that God spoke to them, okay? Sometimes um, God spoke to them and that with an audible voice. They could hear an audible voice. Uh, sometimes it was through a dream or sometimes it was... Um, you know, through, through a vision, which is it's a little bit different than a dream, okay? Um, so God spoke to people through different ways. But again, let's, let's define what we mean when we say, does God speak to people today? Is God speaking to people today and giving them new revelation or new, new words from God as far as Scripture is concerned? Does he do that? No, of course not. Right, God's not speaking to people to give new revelation or a new word from God. That's why you you have to be careful because you know you'll hear people say, "Oh, God gave me this new word." Wait a minute. What do you mean God gave you a new word? Right? Uh, God gave me this new revelation. Wait a minute. What do you, what do you mean God gave you a new revelation? Because the Bible says His word is complete. Right? God says Scripture is is complete. There's there's nothing to be added to it. There's nothing to be taken away from it. So if you're saying God has given you some new word or some new revelation, are you trying to add something to the word of God? Okay, Because if you're saying that God forgot something 2,000 years ago, and now all of a sudden that he's telling you this so that you can tell everybody, so that everybody now needs to follow this, we've got a little bit of a problem here. right? Uh, because now you're saying something wasn't put in Scripture and now God is speaking to people. God is giving new revelation, new words today for mankind. Okay, um, And again, we, we've got a little bit of a problem with that because the Bible tells us that once Scripture was completed, and we believe Scripture was completed with the book of the Revelation, right? Um, and once the, uh, the John, uh, once he writes... Uh, the book of the Revelation, of course, he wrote other books as well, the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, right? But when he completes the book of Revelation, that is the end of Scripture. That's the end of God revealing things, giving new words, giving Scripture to mankind, okay? 
Now again, why did God have to do this both in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Why did God have to speak to men? Why did God have to give these new revelations? Why did God have to do that? Because there was no written word at that time, right? There's no written word. Why did God, uh, you know, if you started, you know, the Bible reading schedule for, uh, you know, you said, hey, today I'm going to start off and I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And, and you probably started in Genesis chapter 1, right? How many of you read Genesis chapter 1 this morning? All right, a few of you did, right? So Genesis chapter 1, what's Genesis chapter 1 about? Creation. Right? It's about creation. Okay? God creates everything in six days. The seventh day he rests. And then in chapter 2, he talks about creating Adam and Eve. And then uh, chapter 3, he places them in the garden. And then there's sin and all of this. Uh, how, how do we know that happened? You and I weren't there. In fact, the one who probably even wrote it down wasn't even there. Moses. Moses wasn't there. So how did Moses know what happened in the beginning? How did Moses know it took six days of creation? How did Moses know which day things were created on? How did Moses know that Eve was the one that ate the fruit? He wasn't there, right? So the things that we would not know if God did not reveal it to mankind, okay? And so you have revelation, God revealing things that are unknown, okay? And we find that happening. That's throughout the Old, Old Testament. You have these revelations that God uses. He gives to Moses. Uh, he uses the prophets. Uh, he, uh, all throughout um, the Old Testament, you find God using prophets to reveal a message or to bring a new message, right? And because these things weren't written down. Well, then you come to the New Testament, right? Why does God give a new revelation in the New Testament? If we already have the Old Testament... Right? They have the Old Testament, and even before Christ came, the Old Testament really had been complete for 400 years. Right? So why did they need the New Testament? If they already had the Old Testament, why did they need the New Testament? Right, very good. So the the new the Old Testament was all about the, the Old Covenant or the First Covenant, right? Which was all about the law, right? Being under the law, right? Specifically given to who? The Jews, Israel. The law was given to Israel, right? And the law was given to Israel so that they would be able to have the world see that they were different to be able to reach the world with the gospel, to tell the world about God, right? The problem was they didn't do that. Okay, uh, they decided that the gospel that that God was only for them, and they weren't going to tell anybody else. In fact, you find so many times that that they became so confused that they started worshiping other gods instead of worshiping the true God, the one who had delivered them. Okay, so then you come to the New Testament, and the New Testament you have, and the reason why it's called a New Testament, and you have the Old Testament, you have a New Testament, because it's, it's different, it's new, it's not under the law anymore, right? Now we're under what in the New Testament? Grace, right? We're under grace. And so now to be able to be under grace and what period, what age, I think I just gave it away. Uh, what, what age are we in? 
the church age, right? We're in the church age, okay? We're not, un, we're not Israel. The church is not Israel. Now, there's going to be some people that will tell you that the church is the new Israel. No, we're not Israel. We're not Israel. You and I are not Jews, okay? We're not Jews. We're not Israel. Um, those promises that were given specifically to Israel, they don't pertain to us. We're not Israel. We're not Jews, okay? Now, there are some that do that were not just specifically for Israel, but that were for all people, and we can claim those. But the ones that were specific to Israel, right? I mean, we, hey, um, the Abrahamic covenant about Israel being the, the land of Israel, that's not our land. That's not our land, right? That's, that's Israel's land. That, that has nothing to do with us, okay? Um, so there were certain things. But the new covenant is about grace. The new covenant, we're under grace at this time because now Christ has paid for sins. Our sins are forgiven under the, the blood of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. And now the church age begins. The church age is not Jews. It is made up of Jew and Gentile. It is made up of anyone that's willing to put their faith in Christ. Okay? And so that's what we are. We're, we're part of the church. We're part of the body of Christ. The, uh, and, and that's whether Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. That's why Paul says, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither bond nor free. Right? Uh, because in Christ we are one. Right? That's, that's unity. Right? We are to be unified in Christ. Okay? So there's this new covenant, this new testament that is being given. Okay, and we have to know how, as Christians, are we under the law? Well, we have to ask ourselves the question, which law? Are we under the law of Moses? No, but are we under law? Yes, we are. Oh, but pastor, we're, we're free in Christ. Oh, we are free in Christ, but there's still law. You see, we get this idea that freedom is the absence of law. That is not correct. Freedom is not the absence of law, right? Freedom is being obedient and having the freedom with the laws that we have, okay? That's why we would say we live in a free country most of the time, right? And we can, you know, nobody told you where to go to church this morning. Um, You know, you got up, you decided to come. Nobody told you what you had to eat this morning. Uh, You made a choice whether you ate a donut or drank a cup of coffee. You made that choice. Nobody forced you to do that, right? You're free. But there are still laws, There's still laws that we have to obey living in this country. And even as a Christian, yes, we can say we are free in Christ, we have liberty in Christ, but we don't have liberty just to do whatever we want. There is still the law of Christ that governs us, the law of Christ that we are are living under, okay? And so there are certain things that God expects of us, how we are to live, and what things we're not supposed to do, right? So we're still under the law of Christ, but here's the thing. We're not doing those things to be saved, okay? We don't follow the law of Christ to be saved. We're following the law of Christ because we have been made free in Christ. Okay? And so we're able to follow these things and be able to do these things. So when we think about all, the reason why God spoke to men, right, was because he was giving something new. He was revealing something that they did not know. He's giving them uh, something that they needed to do that they didn't know about, the same thing we find in the church. Here you have this, this new uh, institution that comes in. Well, how is the church supposed to be operated? How is the church supposed to be run? Who's supposed to be in the church? Who's not supposed to be in the church? All these different things. So you have this New Testament, this new covenant that's being given. Okay? So we have what we would say the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, and God revealing to men what God wanted them to know. 
But now if we would say that God is still speaking to people, God is still revealing things, and we're saying that there's still something else that God has not put in his word. Okay, And so we want to be very careful when we say, is God still speaking to people today? We would say, yes, God still speaks today. Don't we say that God can speak to our heart? I believe so. I believe we say that, right? God can speak to our heart. But is God speaking to be able to give some new revelation to be able to say, oh, wow, you know, I know something that nobody else knows. I know that Jesus is going to come back at this certain day, at this certain time, because he told me. Well, that's wrong, right? That's not, that's not accurate, okay? Well, how do we know, how do we know if somebody is, is speaking and saying, you know, God has told me something new? How do we know if they are, um, how do we know if they're true or not? Okay, so content is very important. What is the content of whatever the dream was or how did God speak or whatever content is important? But there's something else that no matter what it is, whether it is uh, a dream, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever people say, or I had a new revelation or a new vision or whatever it is, there's something that everything must be governed by. Miss Amy? It must line up with the word of God. You see, anybody can say, well, I had this new revelation. God gave me this new dream. And in this new dream, God said this was going to happen. All right, show it to me in Scripture. Well, it's not there. Then it's not, then it's not from God. If you can't show me that God is saying this new thing in Scripture, it's not there. right? And that's why even Peter says, uh, in 1 Peter, says, look, I, I was there. When Jesus, when God spoke and I heard those words, this is my beloved son in whom I'm, I was there when I saw Jesus Christ rise from the dead. I was there. I saw him crucified. He said, I was there. I saw these things and I heard these things. But what does Peter say? Don't believe me. What did he say to believe? He said, believe the word of God. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy whereby you do well to take heed unto right? Everything that someone says, we must compare it to the word of God. Why? Because anybody can say anything. Anybody can say, well, God gave me this new revelation. Well, how do I know it's true or not? I compare it to scripture because I know what God has put here is true. This is what's true. And so I compare what they're saying to what God says here and find out, does that line up? If it doesn't line up, it ain't true. It's not true. Right, um, we're out of time, and um, but we'll we'll continue this next week. Uh, if you have questions or something about it, write it down, and we'll get we'll get more into this next week. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We ask you just bless and the service to follow, and just thank you for the privilege to be able to to begin this new year worshiping you, and uh, just bless in all that is done today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.